0: Welcome to Balanced Black Girl, a podcast dedicated to mental, physical, and emotional health from the Black woman's perspective. Tune in to hear from Black woman health and wellness experts giving the approachable advice you need to help you feel your best. I'm your host, Lestrandra Alfred. Let's dive in. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Balanced Black Girl Podcast. I am your host, Les, and I so appreciate you tuning in and joining the conversation today. Y'all, I have to be honest, I (laughs) don't even really know how to start this off, just really thinking about the current state of the world, where we're at, and just what is happening day by day. Who even knows what act of the circus that we are all living out right now, because I don't know. But I am so grateful to have this community and that we're able to hold space for one another. And honestly, that's a really big theme of today's episode. And I could not be more excited to share this conversation with you. So today's guest is Zuri Adele, who I am so grateful to consider a friend. She and I have gotten to know each other well over the past year that I've been here in Los Angeles, and she is just such a light. And I always enjoy talking to her, and this conversation was no different because she and I, we kind of started getting to know each other and then just kind of jumped right into having <laughs> really deep conversations with one another. You know how that happens when you become friends with somebody and then you just like y'all just go jump in. That's that's what it's like when we get together and This episode, we are inviting you to listen in on what conversations between the two of us sound like. And during a time where we all need to be holding space for one another and really cultivate community and connection, I could not think of a better conversation to share with you. Zuri is an actor currently known for her portrayal of Malika Williams on Freeform's Good Trouble, and she's also an alumna of Spelman College, UCLA School of Theater, Film and Television, and the British American Drama Academy. She's also a former acting teacher at both the Oprah Winfrey Leadership Academy for Girls in South Africa and UCLA. She's passionate about wellness, access to education, and social justice, and she also launched and oversees the Zuri Dell Fellowship for HBCU alumni, which provides support for HBCU graduates pursuing their Master of Fine Arts degrees in theater, film, and or television. We talk about so many things in this conversation, everything from creating community to intentional wellness practices to the different ways that the wellness practices that we have can shape and change our lives. And like I said, even though I already knew Zuri before this conversation. I still learned so much from her, learned so much about her, appreciated her story. And I know that you will feel the same way. Getting to talk to her is truly just, it's like a soul nourishing experience. And I know that you will appreciate hearing from her just as much as I did. So let's jump into the episode. Zuri, I'm actually so excited to have you on the podcast today
1: because you know what i'm such a fan i'm such a fan (sighs) this is how we met because i listened to your amazing podcast
0: It is. It's how we met. I just, I feel like having you on the show is such a beautiful full full circle experience Mm -hmm. because over the past year, I mean, I've been fortunate enough to really get to know you and to now call you a friend. And the fact that we connected through the podcast, it's just, it's so special.
1: Yeah, it is. It's full circle for both of us, for sure. And like, yeah, everything, everything you just said. And the fact that we're able to spend time, well, especially before the pandemic, like in person to meet one another, like, as soon as I saw that
0: you were moving, I was like, "Where you at, girl?"
1: I knew where you. Was, <laughs> I knew where you was
0: going. You called it. Yep. <laughs> yes, you totally called it because I wasn't saying where I was going no, just to kind of protect energy. Yeah. And you were like, "So you're coming to LA, right?" <laughs> I could tell.
1: <laughs> I was like, "I got to meet my sister in person. Like, this is one of those in-person connections."
0: Exactly. Yeah, yeah.
1: You've been a big part of my journey. Big part of my journey. Yeah. I'm very grateful for your platform and that you said yes to your calling. I mean, what a ripple. What a ripple. Yeah. So it's an honor. It's an honor. Thank you for having me. I'm glad we get to let people in on our conversations now because sometimes, you know, we got got a good tea.
0: Oh, we do. (laughs) I mean, and that's something that I... And I definitely want to talk about this today in terms of adult friendships and making friends, friends as an adult, because I think for some people, that's it's hard. I mean, I know it's hard for me, but I feel like in the case of you and I and how we talk to each other, it's such a good example of, yes, you may not have the same number of friends as when you're younger, but when you get older and you kind of know where you're at and what you're about, it's... It, those connections can be so much stronger because you know what your values are and you can see that in other people.
1: Yeah, we're just, you're so much more intentional. And I think that that's clear because we both have public platforms. So I know that we have extra boundaries to uphold um, when it comes to who we who we do want to allow into our space. And so the fact that we both have the discernment to know that we were safe with each other um, and that of course we could reroute at any time if that became clear that that wasn't true but like we had we just followed our spirits and like that brought us to each other and that is like the best way to form any sort of relationship romantic platonic um business wise like when we seek our spirit what our spirit is asking for that literally led us to one another in friendship and that's like the foundation so even if you just have five friends that you've you've acquired that way that's so much stronger than you know, a thousand friends or followers um, from an unintentional place.
0: Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think what I appreciate about getting older and establishing those really intentional friendships is, you know, when you're younger, a lot of friendships are about proximity. And I, I mean that in the nicest, most honest way possible. Mm-hmm. When you're a kid, your friends are who's in your class or who's on your team or who you're in a, in a play with. Mm-hmm. And there's not necessarily a whole lot more depth than that which is why I think as you get older some of those connections can can fall away but once you do have that intentionality I think it's totally quality over quantity oh my
1: gosh absolutely absolutely and I love it I mean I think it's good like when we're growing up of course like you said we're connected with people who come into our lives with these similarities so sometimes that's good to have those similar hobbies um, or like even sometimes it's just like your parents' friends had kids the same age and you, you had to go to their house, you know, one night if your parents are working late or, um, and that's how we connected. And that, that stuff is great. Those are, there, there's something great to be said about like connecting with people who you wouldn't have necessarily chosen to connect with on your own. And then there's something really phenomenal about in adulthood. Like we can do both. We can, we can run into people, um, in ways that we may not have chosen on our own. And then we can also like seek out what we need. And so we have this, you know, and then we, and then we get something that's like super, super aligned. And I like that we can do, I like that we can do both, especially with social media um, while we're, you know, socially distant, um, physically distant, really. Like we're, we're still able to have that type of, consent in who we want to allow into our our spiritual space yeah I love that we can do that as an adult and I actually want to like encourage the idea that we can do that as children too Mm -hmm. more
0: yeah oh I love that and I love that you said consent yeah because that's what it is Mm -hmm. that's really what it is yeah
1: it is yeah and we don't have to be friends with everybody I mean um. You know, everybody we we work with or everybody we are around in perhaps our family connections or related to, like all of it, all of it can be a choice. About boundaries 100. and, you know, about what what we can do from a place
0: of an overflowing cup of energy. Absolutely. I could not agree more. So I would love to, you know, if there are folks listening who are, have not met you yet or are not familiar with you, who you are and your work, I would love to start off by having folks get to know you a little bit better. Um, So can you tell us a little bit more just about your background, how you came to be the the woman that you are today? Oh,
1: yes. Hi, family. So... um... (laughs) Right now, the woman I am today, as I'm always evolving, a lot of my work right now is in television. I would call myself a a griot, a storyteller, being able to, honored to tell as many stories as I can in this body with this voice. And right now I play a character named Malika on a show called Good Trouble on Freeform Network. And Before that, a lot of my storytelling before that was in theater. A lot of my training and education was in theater and theater performance. And performance and storytelling has always been a major part of my life and my upbringing. Um, My parents are also very creative. My dad was a writer. My mom's a writer. Um, My dad was also an actor and a performance poet and family like my cousins my aunts everyone's like a, a dancer everyone is a, a uses their voice and body in our family to like pass on stories and so i'm really honored to do that and my so my my upbringing had a big role in that in terms of how i was raised i was really encouraged to find my self expression with my voice and my body and also to pursue education and to be well-rounded and um, I was very much raised in a very intellectual space that was centered on the liberation of Black people um, and all people and especially those of acknowledged African descent and so that really informs my storytelling and also like my approach to acting and entertainment is very intentionally centered on black liberation for sure and liberation for as a means of liberation for all so yeah I mean I grew up as an only child and my parents co-parented me across the country so I think that that definitely forms like how independent I have been and feel so I like what we were talking about intentional community intentional friendships letting people in quantity over quality like that's definitely that's a big thing for me having moved around a lot and and chosen family and chosen especially when it comes to friendships especially with women like choosing sisterhood choosing sisters my friends my community is very much like my family and yeah i um i grew up i was born in boston and Then my mom got a fellowship at Stanford University when I was five. So, for most of my life, I lived in the Bay Area. That turned into a a full job for her. She was the director of communications at Stanford. And my dad moved to New York shortly after. So, I grew up going back and forth from the West Coast to the East Coast, like on all my school breaks. And so, I grew up around a lot of different people, a lot of different um, spiritual traditions. A lot of just a lot, a lot of different types of blackness, I would say, especially in New York, a lot of Caribbean traditions, a lot of West African traditions um, mixed in with like the, like my parents, like being a major part of civil rights and Black Panther, like very inspired by the Black Panther movement. And then also being in Silicon Valley with my mom in like a very white space while. A lot of tech startups were just starting up and being in that world, too. So I would say all of it has shaped me and definitely influenced me to go to Spelman, um, which is a historically Black women's college. And that has really informed my passion for sisterhood and also for a reclaiming of our education from the perspective of the oppressed and the perspective of the African diaspora and learning our history well before slavery, learning our history in a way that is informed by women's contributions, learning about theater in a way that includes Black voices and puts us at the forefront rather than on the sidelines. And, you know, studying and approaching like classical theater performance with a group in a classroom full of Black women. Like we're all playing, you know, these characters that were originally written for like white males, you know, like a lot of Shakespearean characters, a lot of Elizabethan characters, and then also being able to like study Black playwrights, queer playwrights, playwrights of color, women playwrights, like just diving into my craft at a school that was catering to Black womanhood and thriving Black womanhood entirely shaped my knowing of who I am. And I carried that into my graduate school experience at a predominantly white institution, which is what brought me to Los Angeles. Uh, that's what brought me to LA. I came here to pursue my master of finance and acting at UCLA. And I'm really glad that I had had an HBCU experience before then. And Also really glad that I had the time at UCLA to hone my craft even more as an actor um, in Los Angeles, while so much different storytelling was happening, like digital media, film, television, um, technology is like forever changing. And being in LA and training as an actor and training in theater specifically all of that, and and before that was training in London, and, and all of it was very, very physical. Like the requirements for the breath work and the movement work to be able to sustain a show so many times a week, or really tap into these like very strong characters, required wellness to be at the forefront of my life because the work is so athletic to be able to do that work on stage and on screen, just at that time, my focus and my training was on stage. And it just required such athleticism that what I put into my body, what I did with my body, who I shared my body with, and how I moved my body and how I slept, how I ate, it had such an impact on my performance, and that I started to become so passionate about wellness that that led me into. Yoga, it led me into, and I grew up with my mom, like working out a lot in the mornings. Like she would be on her mm-hmm. treadmill singing Stevie Wonder. She would, <laughs> um, she would be coming in at like 5.30 in the morning or six in the morning when I was just waking up from like going on a hike and she would be in this great mood. So I was very inspired by her consistency there to take care of herself. And then also wellness, I started to take that in as I became more of an adult. And that took me into like this wellness journey. So now I've balanced a passion for wellness with this passion for storytelling. And like, especially academia, like after graduate school, I worked part-time in a yoga studio. Um, I did yoga teacher training, started to develop initiatives for more people of color and especially people of acknowledged African descent to have access to teaching yoga so that wellness could be more safe for Black students and students of color. So now I'm starting to intertwine those worlds. And that is like where I feel that I am now is in this place of merging wellness, holistic wellness with storytelling and entertainment and like using them both to merge together as this social political tool.
0: So that's a whole lot.
1: And that's where I'm at. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that was amazing. I'm like, there's so many things that I'm like, okay, let's go Girl, back into so elements of your story. Yeah. Because it was amazing. And honestly, like the fact that you recalled all of that so succinctly oh, is was very impressive. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it there's was. so many
1: things. It's like, and also just feeling like this liberated woman like growing up maybe Mm -hmm. also in the Bay Area and in Brooklyn with very liberal parents being very fluid very bisexual very creative like all of these things and also not having a label on my spirituality my parents didn't put a label Mm -hmm. on theirs either so I was really encouraged to like I mean I pull from a lot of different spiritual and religious um, traditions. And I have a very strong relationship with my God, with God, and um, though it cannot be contained. And I feel the same way about my sexuality. And like, Mm -hmm. that type of liberation is something that I want for everyone. So I can tell that is a part of my intention in everything that I do.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, exactly what I was thinking as I was hearing you tell your story was there's so many examples in your story. And I think in a lot of folks stories where there are these boxes that just don't quite make sense. And your experiences being able to step outside of those boxes, even studying theater at a place like Spellman, where you are not confined to those same kind of labels and, you know, assumptions that maybe at a PWI you would have had mm-hmm. in terms of, of acting and what you can do and with your own identity, with your sexuality, with your religion, like we get put in these boxes That don't make sense. There's people gatekeeping (laughs) these identities who are kind of self uh, nominated for that and uphold these things where it just doesn't make sense for most of us. No.
1: And they know it doesn't make sense. I mean, it's all a tool of white supremacy. Don't even get me started and control um, Mm -hmm. population control in so many ways. And so the more that we know we're all on all the spectrums of everything. Like the more that we just allow ourselves to live on those spectrums and to follow what our spirit is asking for without questioning, like that's the life that that's the life I want to live. And that's the life I want to be around other
0: people living. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Something else that I would love to dig into a little bit, Um, you had talked about in your upbringing and specifically when you would spend time in New York, being around all different types of Black people, which I think is beautiful and so, so important because I think a lot of folks who either maybe are Black and have different experiences sometimes get um, caught up in the idea of not feeling Black enough. Those are conversations that we've had here on the podcast before. It's feedback that, you know, I've gotten where people want to continue having conversations about that or they share experiences where they didn't feel like they were Black enough or folks outside of the diaspora who also try to put us in those boxes and not understanding like how many different experiences that we can all have as Black people I'm curious how you navigated that. And if you ever maybe really struggled with that or struggled to feel like, where does my Blackness fit in with what I'm seeing or, or with what environments you were in? Oh,
1: yes. I so struggled with that, um, especially in Palo Alto, because socially, like I was going to school, I was going to New York um, multiple times a year, and that was also only on school breaks. So like socially, mm-hmm. in terms of being around peers consistently in school, that was in Palo Alto, which was. Predominantly white. And so I was one of very few black students and one of few students of color. And I say that because I would be labeled often as someone who talked like a white person. It was like my black car was trying to be revoked by sometimes black people, but often by people who weren't even black. And they were saying Mm -hmm. the N word, you know, they were saying the N word to be cool. And I didn't even always call them out on it. Like I didn't even always know if it was safe to call them out on it without being teased or like without it without me being labeled as uh you know, a bitch or an angry black girl or all these things, but also my beauty standards were really like my sense of my own beauty was really informed by television and marketing at that time and also um by being in such a white space seeing people be more attracted to like either ethnically ambiguous looking people or anything closer to whiteness than what i had so in some ways i felt um not black enough because of how articulate i was and like the stereotype being that black people aren't articulate which that's canceled um and then (laughs) and then i felt too black because physically i was not ambiguous looking enough um, to be attractive. So there were like both of those going on. And then when I would get to New York or to the East Coast around my family, like they would have these thick New York accents or there were just ways in which they were carrying themselves with a little more edge. Like I was growing up in a suburb in California and, you know, my cousins were not. There was just a little more edge, a little more like there was, there could be some more fights on the streets or like just even the independence that a young person in New York has by having to take public transportation. Um, on their own and dealing with that, there was more, I would say they have more grit than I did. And so to them, I wasn't necessarily black enough either. And I definitely struggled with that, like not being black enough, but also not wanting to be too black, like not wanting my hair to be too thick or covering my body with a towel if I was with white friends in the sun and like not wanting to get darker, like all of these things that are completely, um, Now I wouldn't even recognize that version of myself, but at that time I Mm -hmm. was so, um, I had, I was just so brainwashed to not see my blackness as beautiful, but then also to be ashamed of not fitting into a stereotype that other people had about blackness. And I also credit Really, I credit Spellman for helping me shift that narrative because Spellman, like, of course, while I was an adolescent in New York and I was seeing all these different traditions that were across the African diaspora, it was really at Spellman where I had consistent peers who were also Black women who showed me the diversity of what it meant to be a Black woman. like. People who were of all different economic backgrounds, people who were like super, super rich, people who were super poor, um, people from the Caribbean, people from Africa, people from all over the world who were of acknowledged African descent and had so many different traditions, but also had so many different expressions of femininity. And people who love to tan and get and get golden, like people who grew up around enough other black people that they love their blackness. And so I was around other black women who love their blackness so much that it inspired me to love mine. And my parents loved blackness, loved their blackness so much. But, you know, it's different when your peers love it. Um, mm-hmm. That is something that influenced me more. And just also like not having siblings. There was a lot that I wasn't learning from a peer in the house. And so, like, once I got to Spelman, I was like learning how my, how to do my hair, learning different ways to dress. Like my girls, whoo, my Spelman sisters really <laughs> helped me get my life together. And then also like intellectually, I mean, I was just around diversity amongst black women in a way that like some black women, some of my Spelman sisters were really into robotics. Some were really into studying Japanese or an- anime. Some were really into law or sociology. I was in theater. There were just so many different ways to express our passions without it having to be a representation of Blackness that white supremacy expected of us. It was just like, we could just be ourselves. And that's where I was able to like fully put down the not Black enough or too Black narrative because when I got to Spelman, I realized that they, none of those existed. Those were all mm-hmm. constructs. And it really helped me reevaluate my education. While I went to a phenomenal public school system in Palo Alto that prepared me to be able to get into colleges, I will still say like the history we learned was completely westernized and a means of control. Like I had no idea how much more there was to learn about the innovations that we as black people brought to the world or even about the slave trade. So I credit Spellman to a lot of that and just the HBCU, the energy of an HBCU. Like, I mean, you could be at an HBCU and like smoke weed with your friends and then people are like writing poems and playing violin and, talk, you know, like, you just out on the quad, like you could be twerking, stepping, strolling, and <laughs> studying your math homework. It's just like this intellectual space of liberation and uh, politics and creativity all in one.
0: That's so beautiful. Just a space to just be.
1: Space to just be, and and I'm like, wow, just to be without the context of other people's um, non-black people's anxieties about my Blackness. Like, I didn't realize how much of their anxieties I was taking on to make people feel Mm -hmm. safe, to make sure I wasn't being perceived as a threat so that I could come home alive. Like, there are so many anxieties that we walk with that I was able to put down for four years at Spelman's
0: which is beautiful. And it's like the the timing of that, like those years as you are in your late teens to early 20s that really kind of set the the foundation for adulthood. That's such a beautiful time to get to have that experience. Yeah,
1: it is. And it's so necessary. And like, of course, there's so much off campus that occurred or like when I studied abroad, um, I was definitely in more of a white space classroom space and like, reminded of the fact that Like I I was, I was more reminded of the gift of that experience when I, when I was outside of it yeah, and in grad school and you know, all of it now work, work spaces, but yeah, it's good. Like whatever experience that there are so many experiences we have that can bring us that sense of home. And like we were saying about friendships, like intentional friendships, choosing friendships where we can be our full authentic selves is so important. I mean that really forms how we can even pour back into the world. If we feel like grounded enough to just put our shoulders down and we can breathe deeply with this person without worrying about needing to explain ourselves, without being othered, like all of that is just it's so liberating and it's so so part of wellness.
0: Oh, I mean 100%. I think And especially right now with the events of this year, so many folks are just realizing, like, I don't want to have to put on a mat. Well, you know, (laughs) we're wearing our masks, but we're not putting on those, you know, hypothetical masks to hide parts of ourselves or to not show up in our full authentic selves. And if we're in spaces or around people that we can't do that with, just really reevaluating, is this a space that I need to be in? Is this a person that I need to spend time around?
1: yeah. And sometimes it feels like more work to spend time around the people who are really good for us too, who we can be vulnerable Mm -hmm. with and put the baggage down because we're so used to Mm -hmm. holding on to the baggage and the anxiety that like that mask, you know, that metaphorical mask is something we're so used to. And we don't fully let ourselves be seen that like, it can be so hard. Like when you say, is this a person I need around me? I love that you said that because it's like, Sometimes we need to say yes, even when it's like not necessarily the person we want around us.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Looking at my desk right now, I have about four different beverages. <laughs> which I usually have at any given time while I'm working or recording episodes of the podcast. One beverage that I always have on my desk is a glass of my Organifi Green Juice. I am such a big fan of Organifi Green Juice because it's a really, really delicious powder that you can dissolve right into water and get major, major nutritional benefits so much more efficient and cost effective than buying a ton of fresh produce and using a really big, loud, clunky juicer. I know this because back in the day, I used to juice my own green juice every day, and it was a very loud, expensive habit. I also wasn't getting the same nutritional benefits that I get from Organifi. I wasn't getting ingredients like moringa, which is an incredible source of essential amino acids. I wasn't getting ashwagandha to regulate stress. I wasn't getting turmeric for anti-inflammatory properties to help improve my immune system. I love just throwing a scoop of the Organifi in water. I feel great. It's an amazing pick-me-up to help me digest my food better and feel more hydrated. So if you would like to simplify your superfood intake, I amend Organifi green juice enough. You can go to balanceblackgirl.com forward slash Organifi. That is O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I. And you can use the coupon code BBG for 15% off. Again, that is balanceblackgirl.com forward slash organify using the coupon code BBG for 15% off. So I also really loved that you talked about being in spaces where you could be your full authentic self or being around people that you can truly be yourself around in the context of wellness and just sharing kind of your journey to experiencing wellness and and realizing that intersection between wellness and storytelling. I think that is incredible. I've actually never thought of it that way before, mm-hmm. and I've never heard anybody say that or explain it that way. And when you were stating that, at least in, in your experiences with acting and, and theater, I just thought that that was so incredible because it can apply to so many different contexts where we are telling stories or or sharing stories but having the stamina and ability to do so is is so important and in knowing you one of the things that i really really appreciate about you which i know i i told you this but you the way you take care of yourself is something that i just from the outside looking in admire so much mm. like you make your personal practices that you do to take care of yourself look easy, even though I know they're not. (laughs) And your ability to really choose yourself and uphold your boundaries is just something that I so appreciate and admire about you. And like I said, you make it look easy. I'm sure it is not easy. I would love to hear a little bit more about your experiences kind of getting to that space and being able to create that space for yourself to truly take care of yourself and uphold those boundaries. Mm,
1: thank you. I see the same in you. You inspire me. So I'm glad we have we have each other in accountability, too. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I definitely think that my I would say my mom has definitely inspired me like growing up and seeing her work a lot of hours and still make sure to eat healthy and also like move her body. Like she would at least give herself 30 minutes to just like move her body, whether it was a walk or like a a dance class. She loved taking dance classes. She loves, she still does on Zoom now. But yeah, like (laughs) I would say that she, like seeing that be a non-negotiable for her is something that helped me make it a non-negotiable for myself. And um, also I would just notice As I was getting, as my discernment was getting clearer and clearer, I would notice even without the vocabulary that there would be a difference in my energy and in my anxiety or in what I was able to even give to relationships. Like if I wasn't feeling full and I noticed that when I did move my body each day intentionally for like an unplugged moment in time. I was just so much happier or when I when I journal a little bit each day. And just it's just like a lot of, there's a lot of um, trial and error or sometimes there are just chapters where I will need to meditate more often in morning and night, or there are chapters where I want to do more intense workouts. And, but really it's just been a journey of listening to what's working and what's not working, like what's depleting my energy and what's giving me more. And making that non-negotiable and also doing the work of knowing that it's not selfish to take care of self. That's been a major thing. I also think that this type of wellness is so crucial to all paths, all career paths, all purpose paths being able to like our bodies are, and this is something of course I'm learning, especially most recently, like with the passing of my father too, like our um, bodies are temporary vessels and Mm -hmm. we are given very specific bodies with specific, you know, skin tones and hair textures and ancestry and all of that for a reason, like to do as much as we can in them and through them. And it's, our very first duty spiritually to take care of the vessels that we were given. And I take that really seriously. I take it really seriously as a part of the work. I want God to be able to do as much as God can do through me. And in order to, and for as long as I'm here in this body, and in order to like be available to do that, I have to take the best type of care of my body as possible. Which sometimes means doing less, and sometimes that means doing more, but just really listening, like with certain foods, how is this affecting my body? and um, keeping keeping appointments as consistent as possible. and like and not even always in ways that cost money, but just finding ways to like, because this was a journey that I've been on for a long time, trying to make wellness accessible to myself when, Um, when it was out of my budget you know too and like finding ways to move outside that's I mean even knowing that for me I thrive in spaces where I can be outside or have access to nature yeah but just I would say like my journey has just been listening and then knowing like (laughs) a lot of it has been learning what's not it and then putting that down Mm -hmm. you know like burning ourselves out is not it, or running around, you know, without breaks, without giving myself intentional breaks between, like, hour breaks between meetings, like, making sure I have that time, Um, and learning that with academia, too, because um, certain schedules that were intense, intense, you know, academic class schedules on top of rehearsal schedules for shows, on top of social things, like, all of that, knowing what worked for me in that space, and then knowing what felt crazy, helped me know like what I want to do in my life. As I set a quote unquote curriculum for my life outside of school, um, post school, yeah, in my work life too. I'm still learning. All that to say, I'm still I'm still learning, but I'm just adding to the toolbox and then sometimes taking things out. But I definitely can tell the difference in my energy. And I have to be really, it requires being really honest with myself about what's working and what's not. So it's like, okay, if I don't, if I skip, you know, certain amount of days of working out, or if I eat a lot of dairy, or if I, you know, like, this is how my body feels. And if I eat a lot of plant-based foods or, like, organic produce, I seem to feel more energized. Ooh, and I like how my skin looks, and then I end up being more confident when I'm around people and just all of those things, like, just paying attention in the same way to what's going on inside of our bodies in the same way that, you know, we pay attention to what's going on on social media, like, scrolling through my body as much as, I, you know, more than I will scroll through social media and, and just getting really in tune with that.
0: Oh, that's so good. I love that. And I love that the I love what you said about kind of the foundation of how you take care of yourself being listening to your body, because I think for a lot of people, that's the hardest part. Mm -hmm. Like, People can get into a good flow of momentum where maybe they're moving around a lot or eating a certain way or doing things, perhaps because they see it on social media or someone hands them a plan and they just kind of follow it. But that ability to listen to your body and be like, okay, but is this what my body needs right now? Like that discernment is so valuable.
1: So valuable. It's crucial and it's non negotiable because everyone's body, I'm sure, has different needs as well. Yeah. um, Listening to, our body is the same thing as listening to our spirit, like our spirit talks to us through our bodies. And um, not judging it, like not needing to know why is also has also been a really important tool for me, trusting what my body is saying, without always needing to know why. So if it's just like, my if my spirit is even telling me to text a certain person, or if my spirit is asking me to put something down or turn something off and just meditate, I may not know why. I may not know that I'm feeling sad, or I may not know that I'm feeling excited. Like I may not. It, it can be for good reasons. Just I may not know until I do the thing and allow myself to process it. Or I, sometimes my spirit is just asking me to be outdoors and I don't always know why. And then I may meet somebody amazing outside or I may have this, um, this incredible encounter or creative idea download into my spirit when I follow that. So also trusting step by step what our body is telling us and trusting that our body is just as valid of a resource as any book or, you know, acclaimed person who has given us a speech like we should we have to trust our bodies and our spiritual instincts just as much even without knowing the full picture because our spirit knows the beginning and the end and so if we can follow Mm. that we literally can never lose and also we can have eternal life that way
0: Ugh, I have chills right now. Truly. Like yes. Yeah. I, that's beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful. And that detachment from the why, it's so crucial. And I think having a detachment from the why and also sometimes the how, like we mm. may desire certain things mm-hmm. and we get so hung up on how is it going to happen mm-hmm. when if we have that discernment to to listen to ourselves, to listen to what our spirit is telling us. It the how works itself out. We don't need to worry about that. Yeah, you know,
1: <laughs> girl,
0: and especially we just have to listen.
1: yeah, we just have to listen. And especially when it comes to the people in our lives, I mean, we have to. I think it's so crucial to trust our body's responses to certain people, and it doesn't make people better or worse than us, that our bodies respond a certain way. But like, if we are around a particular person or group of people, and we feel really anxious, or we feel really heavy, or we feel really grounded, and we feel really safe, it's important to listen to that and to trust that without knowing why. And like, if someone's presence or when they when they contact us or reach out to us in any way if that triggers something in our body that doesn't feel good it's also important just like to listen to that in the same way that we would listen to a food that doesn't make our body feel good or if someone's energy does make us feel good it's also important to listen to that and and to also find out what traits about that are in ourselves, too. So we're not like latching on to that person, thinking that that person is a source of the feeling, um, knowing that anything that we feel from someone is also a mirror reflection of, of who we are in that time and space and balancing that responsibility as well. And like, OK, what am I bringing to the table that's causing this? But also what are they mirroring in me right now? So it's like not even about putting the blame or the credit onto that person for bringing that feeling, but understanding like, what are they reflecting in me and how much of that do I want to feel? And that's really up to us to know the answer to, but without judging what our body is telling us, like our nervous system really speaks to us about people as well and what energies are supposed to be in our lives. And without worrying about what they may do without us, if we need to take space, like we need to trust that their spirits have them. And if we are feeling that pull to like take space away from, I would say a certain energy of a person, just like we're feeling that about certain foods or certain movements of our bodies. Like we, we have to honor that and trust that those people will be good they also shouldn't be around us either. Mm -hmm. I think we get so worried about what we will leave behind or about perhaps abandoning a person or, or even missing out on if it's about food, like missing out on something that tastes good. But like, there will be a version of the things that we love about that person and that food that will be good for us, is what I'm trying to say. Like, ice cream ice cream but i cannot do dairy and i love ice cream and my body does not love dairy but there it turned out that when i put the ice cream the dairy ice cream down there was a version amen of that ice cream <laughs> that my body could handle that was made out of almond milk and it's the same thing like the things i loved about you know romantically somebody fine and uh if i loved a lot of things about them physically and then there were a lot of things about their energy that were just not good for me, whether it was dishonesty or just draining energy or neediness, like the fineness will come in another vessel Mm -hmm. that will also pour into my cup. Like all the things that we are, that our bodies and spirit ask us to surrender is because our spirit knows the beginning and the end. And it's trying to make room for something that's going to have all those good things and without anything that's going to weigh us down. Because our spirit wants us to survive forever.
0: Oh, good word. That's
1: where we took it today. That's where we took it today.
0: But that's exactly where it needed to go. You know, like that. I think this conversation and like that message, I mean, I certainly know I needed to hear it. But there's also somebody who's going to hear it, who that is exactly what they needed. That is that is going to be the key to get them where they need to be.
1: Well, if it's you and you're listening, we are already praying for you. So keep going.
0: We are. Even when you can't we see really it, are. trust
1: it. Don't ask why, don't ask how, just keep following and trusting your spirit.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm, the best advice, best advice. Mm-hmm. So I had one more kind of wellness-y question for you. Um, I know that you a couple of times, at least a couple of times since I've known you that I've seen, you have done a like 40 days and 40 nights of meditation yes. practice. I would love to talk a little bit more about that and how those practices came to be and what those experiences were like for you.
1: Girl, your timing is so divine. I was actually just talking about this yesterday and um, before a really great meditation last night. And yeah, my first forty day challenge was really inspired by a friend of mine, um, my friend Tina Jay. She was teaching at she was one of my teachers at Soul Cycle at the time, and um she's a wellness instructor who I really and a phenomenal dancer who i I really admire her commitment to her wellness. She challenged herself to forty days of yoga. And so we were practicing a lot of times we were practicing yoga together. And at the time I was working at a yoga studio that she was coming to and I was taking her classes and, you know, wellness, like we were being, you know, helping each other out in the ways that we could. And I was really inspired by her commitment to those 40 days. I knew she was doing something intense, but she couldn't, you know, she couldn't really talk about it. And no matter what, she was showing up for those 40 days. And I just saw her and her, her outside life and just her internal composure transformed to another level. And I was moving through a really tough transition in my life, mainly ignited by a breakup, a romantic partnership that ended in a way that was really, really painful for me at the time. And I was also having a hard time career-wise and financially, like Auditioning for a lot of things and not booking anything um, in television and still learning how to adjust my acting from theater to television and you know stumbling in that area, ever growing in that area and also not feeling fulfilled anymore working at the yoga studio I was at and and just feeling like I needed more creativity I needed to like tap more into my purpose and I was playing it safe in a lot of ways in life so. Mm-hmm. I decided to like with Tina's example, I just decided and I felt really led to start meditating in the morning and at night because I think I was like meditating and it would just it was feeling good. And I was like, I want to I wanna do this for 40 days. And and what I was like witnessing by my friend Tina was like we were doing these 30 day challenges at the yoga studio I was at and there was something about that extended 40 days and you know, 40 days is also like a very for many people, it can be very spiritual, very biblical, like being in the wilderness for 40 days and not knowing and um, the metaphor the metaphor of that and, and then coming out into your destiny. So I challenged myself to those 40 days and 40 nights of meditation in my studio apartment in Koreatown. I just had my little cushion. I sat it down, lit candles, and I was finding a lot of Black artists who were doing like it was like everything came to me when i decided to do this so i was finding like musicians black musicians um women musicians um beautiful chorus and uh there were a lot of different people who were like doing these meditations i was finding on uh, you know friends would send them to me um i would find some on social media but really like those two it was just like once i said yes to this it was like god just mm-hmm. sent me these resources like a friend of mine sent me a, a song from londrell he had no idea i was starting this practice but he sent me this song from londrell which like led me to find all these different londrell meditations and then i got invited to lauren ash from black girl and ohm was in town i had been following her and she was doing a yoga teacher training with koya Webb and she invited me to come take a class, and that Koya was teaching. She they were all teaching together, and Koya was playing. Mm-hmm. And it was also my first time, even though I was working in a, um, a yoga studio, is a very white space, and so it was also really nice to be around Black women who were teaching, and yep. they were playing beautiful chorus. And it was like every time I just said mm-hmm. yes to something to my spirit without knowing why, like I was getting more resources for this meditation. And Mm -hmm. I mean, especially on the days where I didn't want to meditate, it would just like, I would leave that meditation just feeling so transformed and just knowing that I would be good. And that's when my audition for my job now, Good Trouble, that audition came in during like the final days of that meditation. Uh, of that meditation challenge. And I mean, I was not booking anything that I was going out on auditions for. So I, I, I didn't really expect that this was going to be different. And it was my life has completely changed since then. Um, and I feel like I just made room like in those 40 days, there were two other things like, I felt I, I think it also gave me this confidence to do things and not always know why. So I reached out to a mentor of mine. And I was feeling like, I wanted to be more around the television space and I wanted to learn more because I wanted to grow and I wanted to change some things in my life, um, career-wise. And so I reached out to her to see if I could shadow her. Um, She's a producer in television. And she was like, wow, your timing's incredible. We actually start tomorrow and I do need some help. And she needed to hire um, an actor who could do these table reads um, and play characters that you know, either they hadn't hired the actors yet, or the actors were out of town and not available. And so I was able to be there in like the writer's room, and learn more about the writer's room on a comedy show, I was able to be on set all day. And like, and before that, I felt from a meditation, I felt led to quit my job at the yoga studio, didn't know what was coming next. And like, got that job with my mentor on her show. And like, but I didn't even know how long that would be. I didn't know if I would be sustained. And then I started working on this theater tour that was like from a company I had trained with in graduate school that like it was just all these things. And that was incredible. It was like Once I said to Spirit, like I want to talk because I had kind of started to get deep into the yoga and wellness world and step away from the acting world because I was feeling really rejected. But once I took ownership, Mm -hmm. once I started that 40 day challenge, it was like I took this ownership of my life instead of like playing the victim to it. And I so I started doing that theater tour. I started like once I just like it was like all and then that audition for Good Trouble came in. It was like these things were waiting on me, apparently. But I cannot say in the earthly realm, like I still can't make sense of it but I know that that 40 day challenge had everything to do with it. It was like, I just put everything down that didn't feel good, no matter how scary it looked on the outside. Like it felt crazy to um, put down some of the stability, whether it was the relationship that I was needed to end and like uh, romantically and also the part-time job that was no longer serving me in any capacity was starting to deplete me more than pour into me. And like, once I, that like my meditations made that really clear and doing it for those 40 days, I don't know, it was like that discipline, whether it was two minutes of a meditation or it would turn into 45 minutes or longer, like it didn't, the concept of time didn't even matter. I never timed it. I just was intentional about meditating in the morning and at night and like my life completely transformed,
0: completely. I, like that story, I don't even know what to say. Like, that is <laughs> yeah, incredible. It
1: really is. And there's, there was still so much more to learn from, of course, after that, like stepping into mm-hmm. a chapter of abundance, like having a crash course in that. And that was like, yeah. that was a whole thing. Um, but like even being able to open the door and say, I'm like, it was like those 40 days were me saying, I'm ready what you got. I'm yeah. ready for my blessings. I'm ready for how to spirit. receive. Yeah, I'm here to receive. And I'm here to mm-hmm. remember who I am because I also, mm-hmm. when I was playing it safe in some ways, like when I was before I did that challenge, I think that I was playing it safe in a way that was sort of making me forget about my resume and my receipts mm-hmm. and about what I have yeah. been bringing to the table and in you know, performance-wise, education-wise, philanthropy-wise, it was like, girl, you've done all these things, but I was in a chapter where I was playing really small, and maybe, and had kind of forgotten, I let the rejection I was feeling in the, romantically at the time, and also um, business-wise, I let those, and financially, like, I let those things be louder than the accomplishments I had had, and the blessings that were around me, I just, was blinded to them. I let myself be blinded to them by the things that felt like were coming down on me. And so I think meditation just cleared that out and realigned my perspective in a way that allowed me to completely shift and have more ownership over my path again.
0: Mm. What you just said about being in a space where you felt like your rejections were louder than your accomplishments. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's a, that one line is a a sermon in and of itself yeah. because there's so, it, it is so easy to get to that space. Like we've all been there where it just feels like we, we see all of this proof of the negative so much more than we see the proof of, of who we truly are. Ooh. And yeah. Oh, my goodness, just having giving yourself that space to to quiet down to clear out that rejection. And, and like you said, be reminded of your receipts of actually, no, this is who and I humble
1: myself, like even being yeah. open to learning because I think at first it was like, oh, these are my receipts. Like, why are all these things happening to me? And it was like, no, these are my receipts and I'm still at the beginning of so much. So let me reach out to see if I can learn from this mentor. Let me see if I can, like being willing to be a freshman in the world again was something that I really needed. Like, I think I had just put myself, my ego, because of, I would say, school too, like being, um, feeling like a big, big woman on campus in at school or in grad school like feeling feeling really accomplished in those spaces made the rejection that I was feeling in the working world feel so big because I think yeah. I forgot I was about to be one of many and a beginner and instead of letting that be exciting at first I let it be feel defeating and when I let it be exciting again like an exciting opportunity to learn an exciting opportunity to leap in faith and not know an exciting opportunity to just like maybe be afraid. Like when we let fear be an anxiety, like be excitement instead, you know, there's a lot that can, that we can welcome in from that perspective.
0: Mm, that is so good. It actually, I love that you said that and shared that experience because I just this past weekend did something very similar where I took like a pen and a piece of paper and I wrote a long list of all of the things that I've tried in my career in business that didn't work. Mm. (laughs) And I listed out all of the people that I have dated or had a situation or entanglement or whatever over the past few years. And I wrote what I learned from that experience, like bullet by bullet. And it like seeing all of that on paper of like, here's what I learned from this experience. Like, no, this situation didn't go my way, but I learned X, Y, Z was so, so valuable. And it speaks to what you just said.
1: And you know what? I really actually want to take the word, but out of our vocabulary and replace it with and because this, everything, everything is such a teacher. It's like, yes, We went our separate ways. And these are the things that I gained out of it. And Mm -hmm. these are like the experiences I've had since then. I'm so glad that wasn't the end. Um, There's just, yeah, I mean, school of life, school of life. Yeah, that's amazing. I need to do that.
0: I highly recommend it mm-hmm. I, for anybody listening who maybe feels like in a little bit of a rut in some of those areas. You can do that for any area of your life. I did it in business and love because those are two things that, you know, I'm working through. But it was such a powerful exercise.
1: That sounds phenomenal. I'm definitely going to do that. Ooh, yeah. that sounds a little <laughs>
0: ooh, Sounds like work. It's it is a good work. I definitely <laughs> recommend it. Um. So Zaria, before we wrap up there, I do want to talk to you about Good Trouble because one, I mean, if people aren't watching it, they need to. I'm very biased ah! because I <laughs> really love the show. Oh, um, And it is just such a good, it's just, I think Good Trouble does such a good job of bringing to the front such important conversations about so many elements of the human experience that I think a lot of us who are either Gen Z or millennial are going through and feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also really, really, truly love and root so much for your character, Malika. And I think Malika is a character who so many of us can see elements of ourselves in. um, And I was just wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about her and about your experience playing her.
1: Oh my gosh. Malika is such a blessing and a teacher in my life and further confirmation that like every closed door led me to the greatest blessing. She's so my assignment. Like, and that is, I'm sure that's the case in every type of job that like we have such intentional assignments waiting for us malika is a she's super passionate about social justice and she's a former foster kid and so family and chosen family is really important to her so she lives in this communal living space in downtown los angeles and she's got this group of friends from all different backgrounds who she gets to call family like they they share a dining space and a kitchen and um, they share like the bathroom and showers kind of dorm style. And they really show up for each other in each other's lives. And what I love is that Malika and I are very similar in many ways in the sense that we are very protective of our hearts. We have, we are fiercely independent or at least we try to be so there is something there is like this big blessing about having chosen family that like with whom she can let her guard down so I learn a lot with Malika too like there are a lot of moments where I'm like what would Malika do because she is also a woman who is on the front lines in terms of social justice and Mm -hmm. I learn a lot about the ways in which like she and this is a testament to the to the writers and the people who have created her character and i'm so glad that i get to create this character with them um but yeah she is so passionate about being a black woman and she's passionate about the safety of all people especially in the u.s and like the way that she speaks up for the people she loves the way that she speaks up for what's right is something that really inspires and informs my life so yeah, she's, um she's also studying social anthropology. So she's just, she's big on studying culture and, um and making sure that this world can continue to be a safer place and like reclaim our ancestral power here in the US and all over the world. So like, she's so Malika is so me and I am so she she's just she would be one of my girls if I met, if I knew her in real life. So I'm really honored to like give the body and voice to her because something that I also really appreciated in my audition process for good trouble specifically was that this was, I would say the first time, if not one of the first times where I went to an audition and saw all different types of black women in the room. Um, I mean, all different body types, skin tones, and forms of self-expression and femininity, I would say usually when I was going to auditions before, I would see like usually a very specific look. And um, this was like the character was written in this way where it was clear that they, the writers and producers were really open to whoever seemed to, gel with Malika's voice, but they didn't have a strict idea about like what she looked like or how she expressed herself. And so that allowed me to know that like, this was going to be a collaborative process. And so there were, I'm sure there was no wrong way for Malika to be expressed, which I love. I'm sure we all did something really different in that room. Um, and I'm really honored that like, that my voice and body is what is what brought Malika out you know is what is what they seem to have heard when they created her i'm really honored that that was the case that also clarified for me was that there was i knew i was going to be safe because there wasn't just one expectation of what a black millennial looked or sounded like like i knew that from Mm -hmm. the first time i stepped into that room because of the diversity i saw in the in the space
0: that's beautiful. Again, just uh, out being outside of those boxes.
1: Yeah. Another outside example. of those boxes. Yeah. And then I think it also allows for so many different people to relate to Malika because she's written in a way that's not, um, that's not put in a box or at least mm-hmm. approached in a way that's not. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And I know one of the things that I really appreciated and I'm not going to like give it away for those who haven't watched the show yet, because definitely do it. But in some of the last episodes of the latest season, I really appreciated that Malika kind of stepped into her self-care more. and. (laughs) yes, thank goodness. As I watched that, I was like, "Yes, I was just so happy for her because she just does so much for others that yes. when she took a step back and was like, "Okay, and I'm gonna take my time for me, yeah it just it was yet another reason to continue rooting for her, yeah,
1: absolutely, And I think everyone benefited, like what an example that everyone like is benefiting from her taking care of herself too. yeah um yeah, because the black woman, ooh child, the black woman carries so much. So much without even talking about it. And that's on top of what everyone always carries like the mm-hmm. stresses of, or the stresses and responsibilities and the honors of taking care of ourselves, our families, our lives. On top of the way that Black women are, I would say, silenced from even complaining about what we take on like there's just something that oh there's just a way that we seem to protect the whole world everybody and put a lot of people ahead of us on top of all the responsibilities we have on top of the pressure of making it look easier making us look um strong and look desirable while doing it all of that is something that I'm really proud of Malika and all of us, especially our generation for like starting to put down, like starting to Mm -hmm. let ourselves be vulnerable while doing these things and let ourselves be imperfect and be human and be stumbling and not, and yeah.
0: Yeah. 100%. 100%. And it's something that I think I'm so proud of our generation for really, stepping into that for mm-hmm. ourselves in ways that I think, you know, previous generations, they just, they didn't feel like they could. It's not that they didn't want to, they just didn't see that as an option or never saw it. And, and I'm so proud of our generation for really shifting that narrative. And I'm excited to see what happens for future generations, those who look up to us um, to see how, how that narrative continues to shift.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm grateful for the generations before us, like you said, who um, didn't have that access. Who made sure that mm-hmm. we did, and then proud of the ways that yep. we've like picked up that baton and and made sure that their efforts are going to generational use.
0: Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So good. So Zuri, I have to ask, what does being a balanced Black girl mean to you?
1: When I really sit with it, being a balanced Black girl. Also, I love that you say girl because it gives me permission to be a girl and to be, like, human and, Mm -hmm. yeah, um, and playful with it. Being a balanced Black girl means being my most authentic self and, and being safe to be my most authentic self and feeling like my cup is overflowing and... I want to seek that place of overflow. Like I want to give that overflowing cup to the world. And when, and I want to do things, I always want to do things that are that are pouring into my cup. And even when that means pouring into others, it only is right if that pouring into others is also pouring into me. And so, yeah, being my most authentic self fully and feeling full while doing it. And giving myself permission to be like being authentic also means being really vulnerable and being safe to be vulnerable and being safe to be imperfect and being safe to be stumbling through and find that overflow over and over again and resting and pausing and breathing and yeah, being balanced Black girl. I love that word balance. I'm actually really in a space of, like lately when people ask how I'm doing, I would say balance is the word that Mm -hmm. is coming up lately in a way that it hadn't in a while where I'm like, I think I'm, I'm really starting to find my balance. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, especially like, so I've been definitely grieving my father's passing, as you know, and like Mm -hmm. finding my balance again, also in this pandemic, I mean, also, um, not having worked in a while and, and all the like their grief in, in a lot of different ways. And um, yeah, balance is something that I find that I'm reclaiming lately. And that feels like, ah, when I say I'm finding my balance, it means I'm feeling really safe to just be my authentic self and feeling really safe to set my boundaries, really empowered, Um, going to therapy and like putting a mirror in, in front of myself, in front of my soul and asking the hard questions, taking accountability in ways that are really uncomfortable, but allow me to pour into my cup in a whole new way. So authenticity and overflow, wellness, Mm -hmm. being well within, drinking my water, minding my business. Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. So good. I love it. I love it all. And I think balance is one of those words where I, in in some ways, and there are some folks who don't like it because they are only thinking of kind of the commodified balance, like they think mm. of balance as society telling us that we have to be 100% in all things at all times, which mm. I disagree with that definition and, and definitely err more on the on the side of of what you said of getting back to your center and being authentically yourself. And sometimes that means more attention in some in some areas and more attention in others. But when we think about finding our balance, it's like being steady in who we are and and where we're at. And so I love I just love what you said.
1: Yeah, being balanced feels like being fully present. So any space I'm in, if it's important to me that I only enter that space if I can be fully present in that space. And if I know that I can't, then I won't enter it. And that's what the balance is for me. So Mm -hmm. I may not enter all spaces in every chapter because I will not be able to be fully present. So, but that will still be balanced. Because I'll be fully present in the spaces I choose to enter in that chapter. Ooh yeah that was good yeah yeah and like fully present with my sadness fully present with my grief fully present with my anger my 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 fears my my joy my sensuality all of it fully present with all of it feeling safe to do so and if and if I'm only safe doing that with myself then I will do that um but or if there are people I'm safe with doing that then I'll do that. But yeah, making sure that wherever I am, choosing intentionally to be in spaces where I can be, where I know I can safely be fully present is what it feels like to be balanced.
0: Mm, so, so good. Oh my goodness. I feel like you've given me so many like words girl, like <laughs> that I needed today.
1: <laughs> well, thank you because both same.
0: Thank you. So, Zuri, how can people support your work? Find you? Keep in touch with you?
1: Oh, I lo- I would love for people to keep in touch with me on social media, Instagram and Twitter, uh, Zuri Adele, and uh, my website zuriadell dot That's where I share some stuff about my philanthropy, and I also keep up a reading list there. And yeah, I mean that's that's it. And you can tune into good trouble if you haven't seen it yet or haven't fully caught up. It's available on Hulu, and it's very fun. and we will when it's safe to do so, we will film our third season and have more to share, which I'm excited to see how how this pandemic um, will inform and and also all the things that have been going on in in my personal life and everyone's personal lives uh, will inform what we what we create next for the show so yeah that's the best way watch Good Trouble catch up put on your mask so we can film again and have more to share and um yeah I would I would really appreciate everybody keeping in touch on social media definitely know that every now and then I will deactivate my account and kind of go within for maybe some 40-day challenges but I'll if that ever happens I always come back so um yeah I'd, I'd love keeping up keeping up on those platforms with people.
0: We will have all of your information linked in the show notes. I mean, I know I always love the things that you share um, on social media. I just always learn so much. It always gives me so much to think about. Likewise. likewise, Always appreciate it. And we definitely got to wear these masks so that we, I mean, for infinite number of reasons. However, also getting season three (laughs) of good trouble. Like I would personally love to watch what quarantine at the code looks like because I feel like it's gonna be really entertaining.
1: Very entertaining. Very entertaining. Yeah.
0: Yes. It's gonna be good. Amazing. Thank you so much, Sari. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Balanced Black Girl Podcast. I hope this conversation helped inspire you on your own personal self-care and well-being journey. To continue the conversation, make sure you check out our website at balanceblackgirl.com where you can find show notes and more information about each of our episodes. And you can stay in touch with us at Balance Black Girl Podcast on Instagram, at Balance Black Girl on Facebook. And if you haven't done so already, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really, really helps the show. Thanks again for tuning in and keep taking care.